service. Disgraceland is brought to you by Disgraceland All Access. Disgraceland All Access membership is your chance to support the show and get ad-free listening, an exclusive scripted episode every month, and exclusive bonus content every week, plus access to an always-on chat with me and your fellow discos. Visit disgracelandpod.com slash membership, or just click on the link in the show notes for this episode. Disgraceland is a production of Double Elvis. This episode is dedicated to my old friend Liz Tempesta. You are a true badass. Sending you all the PMA in the world, Liz. All right, let's get into the show. The story surrounding 17-year-old hip-hop viral sensation, TK-47, is insane. He allegedly shot a man, and then, while awaiting trial on house arrest, cut off his ankle bracelet and announced his escape to the world via Twitter. Then, while on the run, made and released a video depicting his escape, where he is seen bragging about murder and assault, two charges that at the time he was facing. Art imitating life. The video's release led to his arrest in a matter of hours. The nationwide manhunt may have come to an end, but TK-47's hip-hop career was just getting started. His notoriety had caused his SoundCloud plays to go through the roof, and Twitter erupted in support of the young fugitive come star. Celebrity remixes were released, record labels came calling, the song charted on Billboard, and the video was viewed over 100 million times. Why? Because it's great music, as real as it gets. That music you heard at the top of the show, that wasn't great music. It's far from real. It's a preset loop from my Mellotron called Harmonium Low MK2. I played you that loop because I can't afford the license for Shape of You by Ed Sheeran. And why would I play you that specific slice of ginger cheese? Could I afford it? Because that was the number one song in America on March 27, 2017. And that was the day that TK-47 escaped his house arrest, or as he put it, did the race, becoming one of America's most wanted fugitives and one of the internet's biggest viral sensations in the process. On this episode, low harmoniums, ginger cheese, busted ankle bracelets, and TK-47. I'm Jake Brennan, and this is Disgraceland. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge, is the line at the beginning of NWA's Straight Outta Compton. We all know the iconic song and album by now. It's music so powerful that it has permanently singed itself upon America's cultural identity. You can't describe the history of hip-hop without giving Straight Outta Compton its due. And you can't give an honest depiction of the history of Los Angeles without mentioning the album either. Straight Outta Compton accurately forecast one of America's blackest eyes, the Rodney King beating by the systematically racist LAPD and subsequent LA riots in 1992. 
And the album wasn't some obscure, preachy, pedantic musical statement about socioeconomic conditions in the plight of black America and Los Angeles at the time. It was a visceral depiction of life on Compton streets, and it was a stone-cold hit. It sold over three million albums, a total banger of a record, start to finish, not a bad song on it. And it sounded different from any other hip-hop at the time. It was hard, and the vocalists, there were four frontmen, each voice nearly as powerful as the next. Sure, MC Ren was more of a player coach, and Yellow filled the Ringo slot, but Eazy-E, Ice Cube, and Dr. Dre on Straight Outta Compton were hip-hop's answer to John, Paul, and George. Except this wasn't Can't Buy Me Love. This was Life Ain't Nothing But Bitches and Money. Ice Cube's lyrics brought the reality of growing up in South Central Los Angeles to suburban white American youth with authority. I know, because I was a suburban white American youth in 1989, the year that NWA's Straight Outta Compton made it to my little corner of Middle America. And when it did, I was hooked. I wore that cassette out, memorized every lyric, every skit, every beat. I was fascinated. The stories were gripping. The big thing with my friends and I was, was this shit real or were these guys making it all up? Were cops really beating on dudes just for being black? Were rappers really living a gang life, slinging dope and committing drive-by shootings in between playing shows and making records? I was in camp real. How could anyone make this up? It was too wild. The truth, of course, was somewhere in the middle. Easy e had OG street cred with the Crips, but I'm pretty sure Ice Cube went to bed at night wearing matching pajamas. It didn't matter. Their music was inspired and gangster as fuck. It was my first experience with art imitating life. Art that I appreciated anyways. And so when Rodney King and the LA riots happened, it was just life imitating art. Like most of America, I was shocked as I watched the riots from the safety of my suburban couch. But unlike most of America, I can't say I was surprised. We knew this was going to happen because NWA warned us. And when OJ got off, same. Shocked, but not surprised. Unless you live in South Central or Long Beach or are a cop or a social worker or first responder or someone else working in the area, this is likely where the story of L.A. gang culture ends for you, culturally speaking anyways. But of course, that's not true. Gang life in South Central and Long Beach continues to be pretty much just as dangerous as it was when N.W.A. burst on the scene. Statistics are hard to come by, what with LAPD underreporting violent crimes. But according to a report conducted by the L.A. County Board of Public Health, the year straight out of Compton was released, 1989, there were 554 gang homicides in L.A. County. In the year 2000, there were 448. A vast majority of these deaths can be attributed to the perpetually feuding gangs, the Bloods, and the Crips. The Crips, the L.A. gang NWA's Eazy-E and MC Ren associated with, boasts a worldwide membership of 35,000 gang members comprised of a network of countless individual gangs. The Nutty Block Crips, Lantana Block Crips, Long Beach Insane Crips, South Side Crips, West Side Crips, Cabbage Patch Crips, and on and on and on. In the year 2000, 
A nutty block Compton Crip in a Long Beach insane Crip gave birth to Tamor McIntyre. Born into one of America's most dangerous street gangs, no one knew it at the time. But 17 years later, just like those other products of Compton Street's NWA, this boy's art would so authentically imitate his life that it would land him on the billboard charts and make him one of America's most wanted fugitives in the process. Hey, Discos, it's Jake here. Thank you so much for listening to Disgraceland. Your support truly means a lot to me, and it's because of you that my team and I are able to make this show. If you want more Disgraceland, if you want more regular interactions with me and the community of Disgraceland listeners, or if you simply want to listen to the show ad-free, go to disgracelandpod.com membership, or just click on the link in the show notes for this episode. For just five bucks a month, you can listen to every episode of Disgraceland ad-free. Plus, you'll get one brand new exclusive episode every month. You'll also get weekly unscripted bonus content, special audio collections, and early access to merch and events. There are two ways that you can support the show and become a member at disgracelandpod.com slash membership. You can sign up using Patreon and listen to the show ad-free on Apple, Spotify, and most other major podcast platforms. And Patreon members also get access to all the other perks of membership in an always-on chat where I'll be interacting with you and diving deeper into the world of Disgraceland. But maybe you're currently an Apple Podcast subscription listener and you want to just tap into all the bonus audio content and ad-free listening that we're offering. We're also offering this membership as a premium channel on Apple Podcasts. However you choose to join, all you got to do is go to disgracelandpod.com slash membership. Support the show for just $5 a month, five bucks, or sign up for an annual plan and get two months free. Come join me and your fellow discos at Disgraceland All Access by visiting disgracelandpod.com slash membership. Hey, discos, jumping in here quickly to tell you about a new giveaway that we put together especially for Disgraceland fans. Listen to this. We teamed up with our friends at Tivoli Audio and D'Angelico Guitar, two legendary brands in audio, to award one of you a prize pack that includes the all-new Tivoli Audio songbook, paired with a limited edition D'Angelico electric guitar. The songbook is an incredible vintage-inspired sound system, and you can plug your D'Angelico guitar right into it. It's also got an analog EQ and a 10-hour rechargeable battery so you can take your music and your favorite podcast anywhere. Go to disgracelandcontest.com to see the prize pack and drop your email address to enter for free. Must be a U.S. resident to win. Visit disgracelandcontest.com for full details. That's disgracelandcontest.com. Rockarola. By 2016, Tamor McIntyre had dropped the name his gangbanging parents gave him for the preferred Take short for Take K47. Of course he did. That old NWA lyric was baked into the cake. Take K47's life had already started imitating art. He may have only been a baby-faced 16-year-old, but he had hard eyes. Eyes that, because of his upbringing, had seen things other 16-year-olds will never see. Violence was in his blood. Robbery was a viable career path. Murder, an occupational hazard. 
even in shitfuck Texas where he was now living. After his dad had gone away to prison, TK moved from L.A. to Las Vegas to live with his sister. And when his dad got out, he moved the family to Arlington, Texas for a fresh start. And it sucked. There was nothing. Nothing to do. For TK, there were two roads out. Robbing and rapping. He hedged his bets and pursued both. Rapping was a long shot. TK fucked with the Daytona boys, but Santana Sage was serving 44 years on a murder charge and the group was a dead end. He decided to break out on his own and in 2015 uploaded his first song to SoundCloud. He'd seen other rappers like Lil Yachty break out big time through SoundCloud, so why not him? Lil Yachty had over a half million followers, ended up with a record deal, and was now modeling for Kanye West. Jesus, if that dude could do it. TK's first upload, Biff Zanin, grabbed some local attention but failed to light the internet on fire. People were into it, but not enough to send Mr. Kim Kardashian knocking. For the then 15-year-old, it was a real come-to-Yeezus moment. So, for the time anyways, it was robbing. The alleged plan was to stick up that boy, Ethan Walker, the one who always had the good weed and the stacks of cash. He was crazy for pussy, like every other 21-year-old dude on the planet. He'd be no match for the two girls. One of them wasn't much to look at, but she knew how to work it. And if she wasn't enough of a distraction, instinctively, TK knew that the other girl, the one with those eyes, she'd do the trick. They told Ethan they were on their way by his place to smoke him up. The girl's car hit the 1500 block of Aspen Court in Mansfield, Texas at around 10 p.m. on July 25, 2016. They rang the bell and were buzzed in. Ethan locked the door behind them. He'd already been robbed before and didn't need that shit again. It was straight to the bedroom, weed, and then, hopefully, sex. The weed was thick, sticky. You really had to get after it and break it up. While Ethan rolled a blunt, he tried making small talk with the girls, and they were acting weird, distracted, running in and out of the room, out to the kitchen, fucking with their phones, not making eye contact. Maybe they were already high. Supposedly, the way the plan was to go off was that TK would text, hit a lick to the girls. Hit a lick was code for home invasion. And on that cue, if the girls gave the okay, KK and his two boys who were outside would then bust in and rob Ethan, take his weed and his money. The problem was that the girls were fucking things up. They were taking way too long to text back. Is it a go, TK texted? Nothing. Fuck. Inside, girl number one was flirting with Ethan, but Ethan wasn't interested. He wanted girl number two, the one with the eyes. But she was smoking weed on the other side of the room, trying to play it cool. Then she wandered out to the kitchen again. She pulled out her cell, texted the okay back to TK, and then unlocked the front door of the apartment. Tamor McIntyre, AKA TK47, and two others allegedly burst through the door at that moment, guns out, shouting that this was a robbery and everyone needed to chill the fuck out. Ethan knew what was up immediately. Shit. He extracted himself from girl number one's bullshit advances and got to his feet up quick. It all happened so fast. Before he could even get his head around the queasy feeling in his stomach, there was a bullet in him. He didn't even know where it came from, or from who. And then, nothing. Ethan Walker was dead. Just like that. 21 years old and gone. 
Witnesses from over at Aspen Court gave police everything they needed to quickly piece together who might have been to blame for the robbery slash murder, and cops quickly rounded up all involved, including KK, who at 16 years old had just caught his first murder charge. We'll be right back after this word, word, word. House arrest sucked, as if shit fuck Texas wasn't bad enough. Now you had to spend your time, all your time, cooped up in this lifeless apartment. But being charged with capital murder did have its upside. Since the arrest and the press surrounding it, TK's SoundCloud plays had gone through the roof. Relatively speaking, anyways. Lesson learned. The more real your shit is, the more people are going to pay attention to you. Wait a minute. That's it. Fuck house arrest. What good was it doing? What, you're supposed to sit around for months waiting to be ushered to and from court where you face either life in prison with no shot at parole or a death sentence? No. How are you supposed to become a hip-hop star like that? Hell, how are you supposed to rob anyone like that? The decision was easy. Stay and you're going to jail or worse. Run and you could get caught, but fuck it. Maybe you release some music along the way. Get your SoundCloud really going. Maybe you get some of that record label money or go back to Robin. How bad could life as a fugitive be? Probably beats the shit out of sitting around at home. So, on March 27, 2017, TK47 cut his ankle bracelet off and sent out the following tweet. Fuck this house arrest shit. Fuck 12. They're gonna have to catch me on hood. I'm not going to lie. Had I seen that tweet in real time, I probably wouldn't have understood what the hell it meant. But the rest of the Twittersphere got it. TK was gone. He split. And as his escape picked up steam, so did his tweet. Now that TK was on the run from the law, he started to really blow up on SoundCloud. And hip-hop fans weren't the only ones interested. Obviously. The United States Marshals Service listed him as a violent fugitive released a wanted photo and solicited the public for help in locating him. The public had other ideas. Fans took to Twitter almost immediately to tweet posts of support for TK, whose Twitter profile featured several videos and pictures of him posing with guns, cash, and dope. No matter, the tweets started pouring in from all over. Run, TK. I hope they never find TK. TK can murder this pussy anytime. And the ubiquitous Protect TK at all costs. That one was retweeted over and over again and used in the context of whatever was trending on Twitter that day. As in, there's a hurricane coming to Houston. Protect TK at all costs. Allegedly, TK headed from Arlington, Texas to San Antonio. Maybe the plan was to escape to Mexico. Maybe there was no plan at all. But in the absence of a plan, there was predictability. Rapping and robbing. Authorities suspect that while in San Antonio, TK robbed and assaulted a 65-year-old man. And shortly after he made his escape, TK started sending new music to his manager, 16-year-old Ezra Averill. One track was so good, they decided they needed a video for its release to really take advantage of the social media wave TK's fugitive status had given him. So in late May 2017, TK-47, a most wanted fugitive, somehow hooked himself up with his friends, presumably back in Texas, to shoot the video. Hey, 
The video looked great, and the song slammed. Ezra knew they were onto something, and TK knew he had to lamb it again or else get caught. So he headed north, and as he continued to run, his name continued to ring out on Twitter. The original plan was to release the video later that year, but the internet wants what the internet wants when the internet wants it. So smartly, Ezra set up a deal with Miami rap collective Buffet Boys to release the video on their YouTube channel. And by the time TK arrived in Elizabeth, New Jersey on June 30th, 2017, the video was ready for release. At 8.54 p.m., TK47 tweeted out the video with the following caption. Feds can't hold me back. Here it go. TK, the race music video. Boom. Twitter blew up. The video was everything Ezra had hoped it would be. The opening shot shows a wanted poster of TK. The beat drops, and as a viewer, you're immediately on board. Art imitating life. TK is seen in the video mugging for the camera and dancing around with a 9mm. Every lyric is a depiction of a 17-year-old life at that moment. It's all running, robbing, and killing. It was real. Real enough for detectives to easily team with the numerous tips they'd been receiving from all over the country. And within hours of the video being released, TK47 was arrested. He was extradited from New Jersey back to Texas. As if the video wasn't enough, news of his capture pushed the video over the top. Hashtag free TK quickly became a thing on Twitter. Travis Scott tweeted out a line from the race, do the dash, then go out the way, giving the unknown rapper hip-hop seal of approval. Remixes by massively popular artists like Tyga, 21 Savage, and yes, even Lil Yachty started showing up. The song debuted on the Billboard charts at number 70 and peaked at number 44. Rumors started circulating that RCA Records was interested in signing the young fugitive despite news that he was going to be tried as an adult for capital murder. The rumors were partly true. RCA record exec Jay Grant signed TK47 to his independent label, 88 Classic, but it remains to be seen if TK ever got hold of any of that record label cash. The video for the race, however, has been viewed over a hundred million times. One hundred million times. Someone's getting paid. YouTube should be paying TK47's legal fees. After all, they're advertising against this video. If I were Tamor McIntyre's manager, I'd be starting a new hashtag campaign. Forget free TK. What about pay TK? Legal fees, especially for two capital murder charges, can get expensive. Oh yeah, authorities added another murder charge to Take after he was caught for the alleged murder of a victim outside a San Antonio fast food restaurant while on the run. More to the point, art imitating life can get expensive. Take 47s rise in popularity has as much to do with his art as it does with his life. Rappers have been boasting and talking shit ever since the genre came to be. The more authentic those hip-hop artists seemed, the wider their appeal. See straight out of Compton as Exhibit A. But with N.W.A., there was an unseen line between art and life. You really couldn't see it, but you kind of knew it was there. 
That line made the artists a little less scary and a little more acceptable. Take K47, on the other hand, feels a lot more real. Maybe because of the viral DIY nature of it all. It's all super authentic. Unlike with NWA, there isn't a shred of daylight between what could be real and what could be fake. There is no debate. It's all real. Life imitating life. And let's not forget, two innocent people are dead, and a 17-year-old is facing either life in prison or the death sentence. So all of it is also a disgrace. I'm Jake Brennan, and this is Disgraceland. Disgraceland was created by yours truly and is produced in partnership with Double Elvis. Credits for this episode can be found on the show notes page at disgracelandpod.com. If you're listening as a Disgraceland All Access member, thank you for supporting the show. We really appreciate it. And if not, you can become a member right now by going to disgracelandpod.com slash membership. Members can listen to every episode of Disgraceland ad-free. Plus, you'll get one brand new exclusive episode every month, weekly unscripted bonus episodes, special audio collections, and early access to merchandise and events. Visit disgracelandpod.com slash membership for details. Rate and review the show and follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook at DisgracelandPod and on YouTube at youtube.com slash at DisgracelandPod. Rock-a-rolla. <laughs>